Hi there again, this is Peter Bergman, and welcome to Everything You Know Is Wrong, Radio Free Oz's daily podcast. Here we are in the midst of the holiday season, it being Tuesday, December 20th, 2011. Well, this is the solstice. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, I'll have to check it out. That's when the sun goes down so early. Imagine the old days, I don't mean more than 17 years ago, which is a period in advertising you can't write about in, (laughs) for example, in movie ads, because most people who go to movies won't know what you're talking about. I mean the old, old days, back medieval times, when people weren't sure every year whether the sun would come back. There was no guarantee. (laughs) Well, I guess we live in a time without its guarantees also. As of now, many of the unemployed have no guarantee that their unemployment benefits will be extended. Many in the middle class don't know whether they're going to continue to get the tax cut break they need to save the $1,000 they don't have to perhaps pay for January's mortgage. They don't know because the Republicans in the House are putzing around and want to deny it to them. What, on principle? Most of the people that are rebelling against the Tan Woodman's uh, hold on them in the House are uh, products of the Yahoo Revolution who came floating in on the Tea Party tide. What they want is a bill that is not clean, like the two-month bill that the Senate put together with a, what, 89 to 10 vote. It was fairly bipartisan. Yeah, it's only a stopgap measure. It means that two months from now they're going to have to go through the whole rigmarole. But it was clean of any riders, not for the House, not for the rigorous, all-American, exceptional members of the House of Representatives. They will vote for the paltry extension of the unemployment benefits and the continuation of the uh, payroll tax cut if, if... The Democrats are willing to swallow the eight poison pills they have placed in their bill. And here here they are. Let me enumerate them for you to give you an idea of who these people are and where their hearts are or aren't. Here are the Scrooge <laughs> ingredients of the poison pill. One, the bill would prevent the State Department from finishing its review of the Canada to Texas Keystone Pipeline and mandate its construction before environmental concerns are fully addressed. Who do you think is nudging these people to make this an issue? Obviously, those who benefit, those in the, in, you know, in the energy industry who want to throw this pipeline across our country, in fact, give eminent domain land to a foreign corporation, these people have always scoffed at environmental regulations. They, you know, kill a couple of spotted owls. Who needs them anyway? Okay, that's pill ingredient number one. Number two, the Republican plan would let states bar people from collecting unemployment benefits unless they submit to drug testing, although there has been no concrete evidence linking unemployment with increased drug abuse. So if you're unemployed... It's a sign that you're a druggie. You're an addict. This is, this is like what Ron Johnson, the new um, senator from Wisconsin, the guy that thinks global warming is, is, is caused by sunspots. That shows you where that bozo's at. He's the one that said, well, you know, if you're working for minimum wage, it's you're a minimum wage worker. If you were a better worker, you'd be making more money. And now if you're unemployed, if you get outsourced, you know, or downgraded or whatever they call it, you're just a drug addict and you can't come back to work unless you prove to us that you aren't. I remember in the Reagan days, 
they were into the big drug testing thing. And George Shultz, the Secretary of State, uh, refused to take a drug test. They, they wanted all the cabinet members to do it as, as a kind of sign of solidarity. He said, a former Marine Semper Fi, I won't put my dick in a cup for anybody. I was in an elevator with him once. I was doing a speech somewhere, I think, at Stanford, and we were going down on this elevator together, and I don't usually like to bother celebrities, but I said, Mr. Secretary, I agree. I wouldn't put my dick in a cup either. Semper Fi. Big smile from the big George. Okay, number three. The bill would require the unemployed to be enrolled in GED or training programs. Okay, training's a great idea. But a lot of these people who are unemployed are busy out trying to get work or perhaps acting as household fathers or household mothers. They don't need to be retrained necessarily. They certainly don't need to get their GED while they're out trying to get a job. It's another slam. It sounds good. Oh, we're all for worker training. But of course, they should be paid for this training or paid for their time to make them better workers. But there's no work regardless of how much training you have. Number four, the bill would strip the EPA of authority to regulate incinerators and boilers. Although the EPA has warned this would lead to an estimated 20,000 premature deaths. Oh, so what? Premature deaths. All those incinerators are in the ghetto or in marginal neighborhoods. These people are really, they're cruel. These are cruel amendments, cruel ideas. The plan stops the federal government from encouraging preventive health care, stripping $8 billion from the Affordable Care Act's Prevention and Public Health Fund. Not only is this bad from the heart. It's real bad economics. Everybody knows that good health makes good workers and that we spend, what is it, $50 billion a year is lost in American industry because of sickness, much of which could be prevented. These people don't believe in preventive medicine. Maybe they think that God only makes, what, druggies and minor workers sick? I don't know. Number five, plan assumes that people are using food stamps for liquor, gambling, and strip clubs, and therefore closes the strip club loophole that supposedly lets welfare recipients use their electronic benefit cards in such establishments. There was a study on this, not vis-a-vis strip clubs, but vis-a-vis the fact that uh, (laughs) people on food stamps were using their cards to fly to Hawaii for vacations. I don't know where these people get their ideas. But hey, if if food stamp workers can't use their cards to go to strip clubs, how are they going to meet Michael Steele and learn more about the Republican Party? I guess I've got my numbers wrong. I think this is probably seven rather than six, but who cares? What a laundry list. The hardest hit states would lose 40 weeks of unemployment under the proposed bill. All other states would lose between 14 and 34 weeks. Hey, these yahoos are employed. We're paying them to be representatives. We're giving them all kinds of perks. So why should they care about all the rest of us out of jobs from whom God has turned his face? Okay, and the last, I guess this would be number eight, requires undocumented immigrants and others to submit their children's social security numbers before they could receive refunds under the children's tax credit. I'm not certain on this. I know that undocumented workers, along with everybody else, pay sales tax, but I don't think undocumented workers pay federal income tax because they don't 
officially register their jobs. Therefore, I don't think they ask for child benefits. So I don't know really where this is coming at. It's anti-immigrant in some way, which is no surprise. So here are the poison pills from the House of Representatives, i.e. unemployed, i.e. middle class struggling to make it. Merry, Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Willard Romney, but you can call me Mitt because it tests better. And welcome to Romney's Empty Suit Store. Nothing covers an emperor who has no clothes like a Romney empty suit. Cut out of whole cloth, there's plenty of room in the rear for backpedaling, and every Romney empty suit is stench-guarded and teflonized, so that no matter how many times you flip-flop or stretch the truth, you come up wrinkle-free, smelling like a rose. Need a cravat? I have a fine selection of neckwear that will tie you to Wall Street, K Street, or Easy Street. Take your choice. And of course, shoes make the man. So step into a pair of Romley Triangulators. Their self-adjusting hydraulic heels keep your head above water when you're in out of your depth. So visit me at Romney's Empty Suit Store, running continuously since 2006. And if you know the secret handshake, you're welcome to shop our exclusive selection of Mormon underwear in the back. Mitt the Flip, the great flip-flopper. Well, it appears, of course, this is such a crazy campaign, it's hard to predict anything, but Newt Gingrich has gone into free fall. Well, he's got enough white hair to pad himself when he lands head first. But he's won anyway. He knew he wasn't going to be president. Do you know that in Iowa, the Romney people spent almost a million dollars thus far? And do you know how much the Gingrich campaign has spent? $21,000. And you know why? Because by law, money that is contributed to a candidate's campaign is income. Any money he doesn't spend on the campaign, he can do three things with. He can use it for a further campaign, he can give it to other campaigns, or he can declare it as income and laugh all the way to the bank. He is the ultimate con man besides being a totalitarian bastard. Anyway, it appears it may be Romney, so the Democrats are focusing on him. And in last week's debate, Romney acknowledged that not all the businesses that Bain Capital, that was that is, in fact, remains his um, hedge fund or a, a banking investment fund, he's retired from it, but he still gets million dollars a year from the place. He said that not all of their restructuring succeeded, but it has given him a real-world sense of what makes private sector companies succeed and fail, and that at bottom, his motives were similar to what drove Obama to try to save the auto industry. So he's putting an equal sign between his work at Bain Capital and Obama's saving of Detroit. In other words, Romney will turn the layoffs that happened under Bain into a positive, proof that he understands how private companies tick and that he will bring a businessman's fresh eye to the economy and job creation. Well, Paul Begala, a key member of Obama's re-election team, suggested a Democratic response that goes directly to the heart of voters' perceptions of what constitutes acceptable and unacceptable capitalist conduct, one that places a heavy emphasis on Romney's self-interest and on how he earned his enormous fortune. He's got to deal with it. Obama can say, I didn't load all those companies up with debt, 
bankrupt them, lay off their workers, and pay myself millions of dollars in the process, Begala said, referring to the contrast with Obama's bailout of auto companies. That's where his storyline collapses. It doesn't sit right to see companies go bankrupt and go through layoffs and watch the layoff artist walk away with millions of dollars. Mitt the layoff artist. We continue with Begala. The Bane years are central to Romney's narrative. If you think about the arc of his life on a personal level, he seems to be an exemplary man. He was born with every advantage of wealth, power, and privilege, but he used all of those talents to enrich himself and his wealthy friends and to screw the middle class. This feeds into his policy agenda. Contrasted with Obama, right? Obama went to the best schools, but he grew up poor with a single mother. He graduated with the same platinum diploma. Obama went into public service while Romney profited off the miseries of others. I don't think he can avoid the downside scrutiny, Begala continued. This is not something he can buy a derivative to hedge against. It's too bad, Mitt. There's no instrument on Wall Street to hedge against your past. And if you think there is, well then, everything you know is wrong. Anyway, my rant is over for today. We'll continue with this happy Christmas uh, 